Hello, my name is Jim. This is my podcast, The Bloody Vegans. You're very welcome to it. Each week I'll be travelling ever deeper into the world of veganism, discovering along the way a multitude of viewpoints from the political and ethical to the practical. I'll be doing this through a series of conversations, each aiming to further illuminate my understanding and hopefully yours of all things plant-centric. So last week we had a bit of an extravaganza, didn't we? We, uh, we got to listen to Fiona Oaks live at Reading Vegan Festival from last year. If you haven't had a chance to listen to that, I would thoroughly recommend that you that you do because it's um, super relevant today. And in fact, I think 2020 has brought some of uh, Fiona's words into sharp relief. So well worth listening. Um, and as I said last week, if you can, uh, do donate to um, Tower Hill Stables. It's uh, www.towerhillstables.org forward slash donate. Um, all help will be gratefully received. Um, Fiona and Martin do an incredible job down there. Some 500 plus animals rescued uh, that they look after on a daily basis. So if you can, please help. So this week, moving on. Um, this week is a, a little bit different again, actually, but um, we're back to the kind of the conversational form. Uh, however, I thought this week we'd have a little chat um, with my wife, Kate. She's been mentioned a couple of times uh, on the podcast uh, and we've had some uh, discussions about uh, various aspects of, uh, of veganism and how uh, it's... Uh, our journey and our home life and all those kind of things. But I thought, uh, let's have uh, a conversation with with Kate herself. So uh, we're going to chat about all sorts of things, really. We talk about vegan inclusivity in the workplace. um, And for anyone who is an employer looking to make their their workplace uh, a little bit more inclusive, uh, there's a fantastic business called um, Veducation Consultation run by Laura Chepner. Uh, in a previous episode of uh, The Bloody Vegans, you can listen to Laura uh, talking about education, particularly in schools, but she also consults for for businesses who want to make their, their workspace a little bit more inclusive for us vegan folks. Um, so we talk a little bit about the workplace, and uh, we also talk about um, nurseries and parenting and all kinds of other, other bits and pieces. So uh, without further ado... Here's a conversation between me and my wife, uh, Kate Moore. Come home and said you've been watching Netflix documentaries. One of which was Cowspiracy. And you said it had made an impact and that I should watch it because you think I'd also get something from it so that night i believe we sat and you watched it again and i watched it for the first time i think i think that's right or did i watch it on my own uh i think i watched it again i think you did i think it was that night because you want me to you were very keen for me to see it as soon as possible so i watched it that night and was blown away and uh we talked about it and what we'd taken from it and how we felt about what we'd watched and heard and then basically 
mutually agreed to go vegan pretty much overnight. I think we had some bit of cheese and a bit of milk left in the fridge. So I said, I'm not going to waste it. I'm going to eat that. But once that's gone, we just won't buy any more. We don't eat a lot of meat anyway. Didn't have any fish in the house. So it was pretty much cold turkey. Excuse the pun. I remember you getting halfway through that milk and not wanting to drink it. Did I? Yeah, I, I think there I was. I don't remember that. Yeah, there was milk left, and I remember you getting a bit more, more and more queasy as it went, as it, as the bottle went down. And you were a big milk. I was a huge milk drinker. drinker. I got through an awful lot of milk. It was like six pints in every three couple of days. Just lots of cereal, really milky teas, milky coffees. So I was I, the milk part. I was a little bit con- not concerned about, but thought that'd be the most difficult part. I remember trying almond milk and, or was it maybe soya? I was like, oh, I don't know if I can, I can't imagine eating that on my cereal or putting that in my tea. So it took a couple of tries, but then it's not as if I hankered after milk again. I just eventually just got used to the different taste and it didn't bother me. And Mm. it just feels normal. It just, it did feel like someone kind of like opened a curtain and I'd seen a completely different world. Mm. It was, it sounds very dramatic, but it, genuinely did feel like that that I'd learned all this these things that you kind of know that these things are going on in the world it's bizarre like you know deforestation a lot of the environmental impact but I don't think you know the scale of it because you're never told the scale of it no so you know you don't learn that anywhere you don't get taught that anywhere and you don't really see it it's not made public knowledge it's not talked about because it's so controversial and because there's so many huge companies making money out of it. So it's not the line that's towed. So I've never really come across it that way. And it was so blatant and impactful and straight down the line. You couldn't really, I can't imagine anybody watching that documentary and coming away from it not convinced, personally. Loads of people do, though, don't they, with that one? They watch it and I think there's lots of... Um, I've heard lots of people say they've sort of... Oh, I got halfway through and it was... I don't understand that. It was a bit much. At what or, point? What, what, because, it, because it's just too much for them to handle. They don't want to hear it. Or because they're just thinking this is... Well, they're actually just genuinely bored. I have to equate it to... Uh, I suppose like anything in life. Like you're trying to... If you're trying to challenge sort of um, deep, deep held and, and deep sort of told what you believe to be true stuff from when you were a kid. And if that's the only voice that you've heard saying it, you could easily say, wow, it's probably, you know, it's probably a bit far-fetched. They've probably, you know, they've probably got an agenda when they've made it. And I imagine it's not quite like that. And you, you can sort of dumb it down a bit can't you no (laughs) (laughs) you can if you don't want to believe it though do you know what i mean yeah but then what who's are there there are genuine actually people out there that don't are that not you know they're not open to believing anything else and that's probably very naive of me to say that but well no i think it's just quite it feels like you need to be open you just approached it quite logically i think but 
Well, yeah, I just felt like there wasn't any other way to approach it. I couldn't ignore it. So I couldn't unsee it. Like it was. Yeah. But I, then we, I always think that we ignore tons of stuff though, don't we? Like there's loads <laughs> of, there's loads of things that we should and could be doing a better job on. What genuinely as a veg as vegans? No, no, not just as or vegans, just in but life. just in life generally, you know, you think every time I open up social media, there's another, there's something else that I think, oh my God, like I didn't realise that was, that was going on or there's a lot of information out there now. And I think if you, I find, I personally anyway, this is, this is probably just me being weak, but I, I think if you tuned into all of it and acted upon every single piece at once as you heard it, as it was, you know, an incontrovertible truth and, you know, some of it is, you'd you'd struggle to do anything else. You know, you'd sort of have to, the whole, and maybe this is the case, but the whole of what you know to be society would collapse. You know, like you'd you'd quit your job, you'd <laughs> you wouldn't buy anything ever again. You'd, yeah. you'd probably stop paying your council tax because you'd found out where it'd gone to, and then that might not be a bad thing. But <laughs> it might no. It the might, state the world is in at the moment. No, I think it's probably what we need. But it's it's, uh, it's that's pretty extreme. But I felt like in the case of that documentary and other ones as well that I watched after that, Forks Over Knives, What the Health. It felt like that was accessible change it was there was things in that that you could easily implement in your life it didn't take a lot to make a big impact by making in my opinion very small changes to your day-to-day lifestyle basically just just change what you eat just a starting point that's not being vegan that's not leading a vegan lifestyle necessarily but that it makes such a big difference and it's really not difficult it's so not difficult. That's all I hear is it's just, it's just too hard. You know, I can't give that up. I can't give this up. I'd miss that too much. It's like, really, if you were... But how can you still feel that way after watching something like that and putting your taste buds over a life yeah. and all the, the environmental impact is just astonishing for the Western palate and it, completely just baffles me it's, when I was three years ago I was exactly the same that's what I still can't get my head around that to be honest yeah that's what still it only took a couple of hours worth of, of you know very powerful filmmaking to make me change my entire view on life and which it is possible but it, it does, but, and I, I can't imagine being on the other side of it again now. I can't imagine being on the side of people saying that. I can't, I can't get on that level anymore. So I just kind of sort of, sort of laugh. If someone says that, I'm like, yeah, well, and I, I think I'm not very confrontational with it. I won't argue with them on it. Um, because I get asked that a lot. I get asked, you know, why did you become a vegan? And I say the same, exactly the same story. And I recommend the documentaries and I've had people watch them and said, well, I'm, yeah, I've, I've, I've watched half of it. Actually, I suppose harking back to your <laughs> point, I've watched half of it and I'm, I'm going to, you know, I'm just going to stop eating, I'm going to stop eating steak. Um, but I don't think my family would, I mean, we couldn't go fully vegan because 
you know, my husband or the kids wouldn't, they wouldn't, I couldn't give up meat or I really like cheese. I was like, well, that's, that's kind of beside the point. I feel like it's all or nothing. I don't, you can't be a part-time vegan, in my opinion. You can't just give up a bit. You've got to be all in. Yeah. I mean, I know a little bit makes a difference, but what's the point <laughs> in just giving up one type of meat? Just give up all the meat then. Why do you have to have pork? Why do you have to eat a pig if you cannot go without eating a cow? Why is a pig any better? To, why, why should they die and a cow stay alive? I don't... It's just bad. It's strange to me that people just can't can't be affected by watching those documentaries. And then the, obviously, the more you go down that rabbit hole, the more you find out about it. I'm not quite like you. I'm not. I'm not good with the research. I just went on a gut feeling. I don't read an awful lot about it. I follow. Obviously, my social media is a vegan social media bubble. So I get like my, you know, my plant-based news and my veg news and, you know, I get information from them, but I don't seek it out as much as I probably should. I'm not particularly, I'm not particularly informed, educated vegan. I'm not fully vegan. I'm not, I don't lead a fully vegan lifestyle. I feel bad about that every day. It's difficult to be a perfect one. Yeah. Well, I think that's, but then the definition sort of as far as is, uh, was it practicable and mm. you know so it's there is an element of um imperfection in the definition mm. but i don't know it'd be interesting to get your view on it i i struggle with the i agree with you on everything you said there about there's <laughs> you know like to your point somebody says to you well i've given up this and you think internally there's a dialogue going on going brilliant <laughs> congratulations <laughs> well, well done you've given up you know i eat slot i eat a lot less beef yeah, now. That. a lot less i eat a lot less than i don't I used eat to. i only eat fish like maybe oh, once or right. twice a week the cow's only a bit dead now yeah, you've only killed four fish then not yeah. none <laughs> yeah like well times by well sorry yeah 12 not even four. or whatever because of the bycatch but um yeah so I, so I struggle with that because i've got that internal dialogue going on where i want a sort of an app i want to be absolutist about it but then to your point just a second ago i always i then sort of check myself in this internal dialogue i am paying attention to this other person by the way whilst <laughs> i'm having this internal dialogue but i then check myself and think well somebody who was um, you know, far more uh, forensic over their lifestyle than I have been would pick out, I don't know, the particular plastic injection in the toy that I'd bought, mm. you know, our son, mm -hmm. and that plastic contained a byproduct of X. Now, I didn't seek it out and go, you know, which plastics got some pigs in but at the same time i didn't research mm. every single so I, that those stones could be cast at me sort of thing yeah i'm aware of that too so i sort of then think well i can't really have a go at this person and actually to your and to your other point you go back three years and 10 days or whatever it was well, it's more than that now three years and two months yeah. and um 
you know, I would probably say the same. A ve- a, you know, confronted with a vegan at mm. the time, I might have said, well, I don't eat that much meat now, you know. Mm. Like I, I only have it, you know, it's only once a, once every meal now, actually. That I'm, <laughs> it's only once a day. That I'm eating meat. Um, so I don't, I don't know. But then I, I sort of think, are we going to affect any change if we're not radical enough and if we're not brave enough to confront Mm. But then I was, and this, I sound like I'm on some sort of rambling diatribe here, which I kind of am, but, uh, and I'll get your view in a minute, I'll shut up. But um, on, I, I was just on Twitter earlier and there was a whole, there was somebody who'd sort of described themselves as an intersectional feminist. And they were in a discussion that, to be fair, was was had no vegans involved in it, but a fairly vocal vegan had inserted themselves into this conversation and sort of said to them, well, you know, you're not, you're not vegan. And, you know, you, if you, if you consider yourself an intersectional feminist, then you should take a look at the dairy industry. Mm. And they got sort of piled in on by a lot of other people who were in this conversation, sort of, you know, virtually piled in on to sort of say, what are you talking about? What's a cow got to do with feminism? And Mm. what's the dairy industry got to do with it? And like, yeah, right, cows. And like, there's just just memes after memes and people just piling in on this vegan. And I kind of thought they're right to, the the person is absolutely right, the the vegan who interjected. Like, I agree with that viewpoint Mm -hmm. that, once we stop seeing ourselves as above or superior to any other creature, yeah, then, we're fellow beings. Then you start thinking, well, you know, the females in the dairy industry are subjugated in such horrific ways. Mm. So I kind of agree with that point. But those people weren't necessarily prepared to hear it just yet. So was that the right tactic to get to them at that stage, particularly in 240 characters? It's mm. just so complex. Like, what is effective activism so after all of that that's my question (laughs) what is your question (laughs) what is effective activism do you think well i think what you're doing is effective activism i think having conversations rather than having confrontations is effective i don't think i think if you externalize that internal dialogue you would not get the same response necessarily i think it depends on who you're talking to it depends on the situation if you are confronted about it and someone wants to get into an argument with you then by all means go for it um because there is no argument against it in my opinion but i i think activism is a bit you can be just loads of forms of it i know you cover it in your podcasts you can you know, get out there and protest with signs or you can do it through your business. You can do it through um, education with the young and you can just do it with having conversations with people that are in that world and in that industry, which is what you do. And just bring that to the forefront. I think it just bring just bringing information. I think the information, like I mentioned, that we've, we've found in those documentaries, isn't readily available. It, well, it is if you have, but you have to look for it. You have to find it. It's getting talked about a bit more now, um, especially with the recent sort of coronavirus. But 
I think you just, I think, I think activism doesn't have to be loud. It doesn't have to be kind of rude or sort of brash. It can be quite, it can be informal. It can just be having simple conversations. Learning um, is a, is a huge one. I think just learning through other people, other businesses, other perspectives, and then putting that out there for vegan and non-vegans to listen to is I think one of the most important ways of doing it. And one of the most important forms of activism, because it's, it's gentler and people can, can dip in and out. They can take from it what they want as much of it or as little. And I know that contradicts my earlier point where I said, if, if not all in, it doesn't, you know, what's the point? But I think, you know, I think any information that's, that's made more available to people is, is important and a very impactful form of activism in itself. I don't, I'm not that sort of, I don't feel like I am an act. I'm not an activist really. I'd like to be, <laughs> but I'm not because I don't have a podcast. I don't, you know, I don't protest. I don't uh, run any sort of vegan businesses. I am not actively involved in the vegan community necessarily. Um, so I feel like I, I should be doing more, but at the same time, I have the old conversation with friends or I have the conversation with people from work and family. And I guess that's in some very, very small, tiny form, a bit of activism because I'm spreading a bit of the message in inverted commas and I'm giving some people some little bits of information that they might not have known that I'm just basically responding to any sort of curiosity. That's all I do. But I wouldn't downplay that though. So I think it's, uh, you know, I, I, I sometimes think. I'm not converting anybody. Yeah, but I, I, I don't, I'm not sure that some other forms of activism, like you mentioned, like, pod, like this podcast, I'm not, sometimes I'm not sure that it's a form of activism insofar as. I don't know what the reach is beyond other vegans. So if if the conversation is for vegans, by vegans, delivered to vegans. It's not delivered just to vegans. Well, I know people that aren't vegan that listen to it. Do you? Yes, I do. <laughs> I don't know anyone who is vegan who listens to it. <laughs> well, you know more vegan people than I do. That's the difference. Yeah. I don't know any. <laughs> I don't. I don't know that you don't know any. I, well, I know very few. I, I don't know. I've, there's a couple of people I've spoken to who've said, you know, you're if you're only ever speaking to to vegans, you know, who are you converting? But I also wouldn't downplay that by your very sort of, you know, by by anybody who's vegans' very existence, they are every time they pick up a, a vegan menu. In amongst a group of non-vegans, they elicit a conversation. Mm. Whether they, I've been in those situations where I've been like quite like someone sat next to me, and I've been surprised when they've ordered something off the vegan menu. I've, and it's that makes me so happy. It like it, it's a really nice surprise. Like I haven't coerced them into it. Like I haven't, you know, just kind of slid it in front of them. 
I've just sort of, you know, they've asked me what I'm going to eat. I've maybe bigged up the vegan menu a little bit. And, and said, then, I'll try it. Yeah. yeah. And they're like, oh yeah, I'll go for that. I'm like, oh. And there's a little kind of, I do a little happy dance inside whenever somebody <laughs> agrees just to try a vegan meal, like off a vegan menu or just, or have a bite of what I'm eating or, and then if they say they like it, I'm like, yes. Like, even though I didn't make that, that's still a big win there's for so me. Much, I don't know about you, but there's so much pressure on that. You know, when you recommend something to somebody. Yeah, it or, has to be good. Or they good. pick your, your choice on the menu. You say, oh, the... That's the thing. It's it's good for a minute, but then you're like, oh, they've actually got to actually like it now. And then they've, they've spent like 15 quid on a meal that they might not enjoy. And then they'd be like, oh, I'm going to have a vegan, menu, vegan meal again. That was all shit. When they do the, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it's it's not bad. Yeah, it's, it's all right. Like I've, it's, it's better than other ones. It tastes I've quite similar tried. to a burger, doesn't yeah, it? Like, oh like, <laughs> you think, oh, oh no. God. They're going to tell everybody, because you know when they're out of your company. Yeah. Going to tell everyone I've had. Oh, well, I had a vegan meal. It was terrible. Yeah, it was awful. You know, you can, you know that's going to happen. Don't listen to Kate. <laughs> she doesn't know what she's talking about. She eats cardboard. <laughs> but that that perception's that's surely never like, actually happened, though. I don't think. No, to be fair, I I I think I imagine that that situation will play itself out more than it has. I think there's probably only been one or two situations that I can think of and usually it's where I'm eating something that like it's been cobbled together <laughs> well it's either been cobbled together or it's like because uh, I'm not the most you know I've got some interesting food combinations sometimes when I you know when you're really hungry when I'm really hungry <laughs> but um Aren't we all yeah but uh rarely if it's like a restaurant situation it's something nice you know where it's and particularly I think there's so much and I feel like I talk about this every week at the moment, but there's so much um, vegan junk food out there that's sort of like mm. the the kind of the appetizer for people. Like it's the, the entry yeah, entryway, the, the gateway, gateway drug, <laughs> the like gateway drug. It. Yeah, like it's it, true. Taste this moving mountains burger. Like I defy oh, anyone to say it's not oh nice. My God. You know? Yeah, that's a, that's a prime one. Yeah. That's one that I've that people have luckily chosen off a vegan menu with me and I'm like I know this is a winner I'm all right here I know that they're gonna love this to be fair so I always it's normally a burger because I eat so many yeah. burgers so you don't eat that many burgers <laughs> I feel like I do it's just the obvious choice when you're in a restaurant because well, it's, it's on every vegan menu pretty much so and it's yes especially when you're out you feel like you want to treat yourself so I, I want to move into because we've just been talking about um chatting to non-vegans so like the workplace is is an area of you know particularly of your life that i'm less aware of than the, the rest of it obviously and vice versa mm. so the experience of a vegan in a non-vegan work environment i've certainly got my my own but i'm intrigued to your your experiences well i work in an office um, with a couple of hundred people, I believe. And as far as I'm aware, I am one of maybe two or three vegans in the building, one of whom has just left. So I think <laughs> I might be now down to two and I don't actually know who the other one is. Um, so it might just, it might just be me. And that's out of what, like a couple of hundred A couple hundred of hundred. I'm, appallingly, I don't know the number of people that work in my building. Um, that's about right, though. Is I think it's 1% of the population or less. Well, that makes sense then. So it's so, me. Yeah. 
<laughs> or potentially two. You in and you and the other. That's yeah. yeah. That's it. Right. Um. So. Yes, it's. It's 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 fine. It's um. I wish there were more of us. I do. I talk about it a lot in my team, which I'm sure um, my team are very happy about. They are all pretty intrigued by it. I have a lot of questions of people trying things, asking things, asking for recommendations. We have a subsidised canteen, which is brilliant. Um, and for a while, it was it was pretty good. We had I had a, somebody actually in the it was actually somebody in the team. A couple of years ago, or a few more, more than that, before I became vegan, we had a vegan team member, um, and she was pretty vocal about it. She talked about it an awful lot. At the time, I didn't even—I admit—I didn't even know what being vegan was. I didn't know what she was talking about, really. I didn't, and I asked a few questions. I was quite intrigued, and she was um, really good at kind of, you know, the, the guys, the people that we have in our kitchens are, are fantastic, and they're very. Um, you can have a chat with them and you can talk to them and, you know, you can see them every day. And they were very receptive to some of her ideas and her regular suggestions. And she was always asking what she asked, what was in things. She asked if they could make a vegan version of things. And I didn't really know you could do that. Like I, I just kind of thought what they made and what they put out on the hot plates and in the salad bar every day was what you got. But they were starting to sort of respond and they were giving her these options. And then fast forward a couple of years later when I became vegan, I kind of, I don't, I've kind of forgotten that because she'd since left. And now I'm in the kind of situation that she was in. And there was one occasion where they'd made, I specifically asked them if the dessert would be vegan. It was like a pineapple upside down cake or something with custard. And he wrote back in an email and said, yep, it's going to be vegan, so it's available. You can eat it; it'd be absolutely fine. And the custard. I was like, amazing. Okay, this is the first time I had like a fully vegan. It was like a butternut squash curry and this lovely pudding. And I got down there and I asked for the vegan curry. They had to go out the back and make it, like get it for me separately. It wasn't available on the, so I had to, on the past thing. So I had to hold up a queue of the entire office because it was like after like a town hall, and wait for mine to come out. And then I got down to the pudding. And I looked at it and I was like, I can tell by looking at it that that's not vegan. I can see the butter oozing out of it. Like that's not. So I was like, um, I'll have some of the cake, please. But I thought I can't ask again just to double check that it's vegan. I can't hold this queue up anymore. So I took it. And went, Do you want custard? I went, yes. Thinking back to the email, thinking he told me it was cut. He told me it was vegan. He told me the whole thing was vegan. So I'm going to have it. Walked back to my table. I ate the curry. It was delicious. And I had one spoonful of the sponge and went, that is absolutely not vegan. I can taste the butter. I can taste the eggs. It's, and I just put, I was just really, I was really gutted because I love my pudding. And I thought I'd made some sort of small win and little victory that I'd found that they managed to f make one meal vegan for me and make sure I could eat something that day. And I know I don't have to have the dessert, but I was just so close and I felt like I'd been lied to as well. And this sounds very dramatic, maybe. But I'm like, why lie? Why tell me it's going to be vegan? And then let me eat it, potentially, knowing it's not. Why not just tell me it's not and give me something else? Or just tell me there's nothing for you. But don't tell me it is. <laughs> and then let me eat it. That's not fair. Like, 
But it goes back, I think, because it's not an intolerance, because I'm not going to be sick if I eat it, because it's not something that's going to make me ill, because it's not, I don't know, maybe, dare I say, even like a, a, it's not a religious or a cultural thing. It's not, you know, I don't think it fit, it doesn't seem like it's important. I don't think that was their conscious decision to, oh, I'm going to screw her over and make this, I'm going to tell her it's vegan, but it's not. And got a little cackle in the background. I don't think it was that at all. But the fact that they didn't care enough to be honest about it, or they forgot, or whatever it was, just made me feel like, well, that's that's not fair. I mean, that's, that's it's important to me. It's, it's, it's something that I thought you were starting to sort of listen to so there's there's been a few exchanges I got I've had been on you know just sort of talking to the to the kind of the head chef and just saying could we look at some more options because I know I'm not the only one could there be some more salad options could there be a hot at least one hot option because there'd be some deli options that I've got something to choose from every day so I've but it's been listened to to be fair but it's not great and some of the stuff I've eaten hasn't been brilliant or I've, I've actually ended up going down there at lunchtime and said oh, can I have the vegan option and they're like oh it's not actually available I'm like what so what can I so that's it then so I have to have salad then so why, why isn't the hot option available when you told me it would be and they put like a menu out every every week and said it was going to be on there and well they you know they've run out of vegan cheese or they said they, there was one issue was they said, oh, vegan cheese is just quite expensive. So I'm like, right. But you buy normal cheese and I mean, I mean I'm mean, i not going to eat a load of it. I could just like for a couple of slices of vegan cheese to put in a sandwich. Or make something vegan that doesn't include cheese. Well, all that. There's no not everything stuff. has to have cheese in it. Like, <laughs> or, or, so I don't know if I really made a point there, but it just, it feels uh, a bit difficult like I'm sort of pushing this huge rock up a hill type thing just to sort of get my little voice heard my one percent voice heard um and it's I've just basically now I've just taken my own lunch because <laughs> it's easier but that's that's the thing though isn't it is like going back to the point of like activism and it's in that sort of microcosm is the the sort of the activist thing to do would almost be to, you know, I'm going to boycott. I'm going to boycott the lunch. canteen. Yeah, I'm going to make a, a huge noise about. I don't I'm mind how signs long signs up. I'm yeah, gonna, <laughs> I don't mind how long this queue is mini held protest. up. Yeah, but I'm getting a, an option for lunch. That's the thing. I feel embarrassed know. to stand there and ask. I feel embarrassed if there's like even a couple of people behind me. Even if I just turn with my team. Even though they, they expect it of me now, I'm going to go and ask because I know I, I will and I want to and I need to. But there's people there that don't know me and don't know I'm vegan. I'm like kind of try, trying to do it. I'm kind of leaning over the counter and going, is there anything vegan? I'm whispering it. Like I'm ashamed, like I'm embarrassed. And why should I be? But I feel like I don't like, inconv- I feel, if it's inconveniencing somebody else, I, I, it makes me uncomfortable. And I don't like that about it that's a I think that's a me thing obviously that's something that I have an issue with it's so maybe it's like a, just a confidence thing confidence in my in my beliefs and in my ethics and my decisions and my chosen lifestyle but 
if I feel like I'm inconveniencing somebody by asking for, have you got any vegan butter back there? Or if you know, can I have, if you got a jacket potato because there's nothing else and just with beans then thanks. You know, I just feel like I'm, if you have to go and get something out the back for me, that's going to make, that's an effort for somebody and that's going to annoy somebody behind me who I don't know, who doesn't understand why I'm asking and why it's important. It's usually not unfounded though. Like it's, uh, there's usually like an eye roll or you can sense that there's a, a tension. There's a tension, there's a strange atmosphere immediately. Yeah, because you know, we're, we're, I can think of examples where I've been in similar situations and I've said, asked for something and like you say, probably adopted the same, I don't think it's just you, adopted the same hushed mm. tones and then the person's been like super accommodating. Yeah. And it's instantly put me at ease and made me mm. feel... Or they might have said, oh, you know, they might not even be vegan themselves, but I might have gone, oh, my, yeah, my brother's vegan, actually. And, yeah, I totally know where you're coming from. I can get you that. Like, and it sort of makes you, it puts you at ease straight away. Mm. Um, but to, to your to your point, I think, you know, from my experience, not trying to explain what your, your, your sort of, um, your, your story about it, I think, I, I've been in those situations that you describe and felt there's a, a tension in the air. You know, people behind, and you, maybe, maybe you load it with, is, oh, it's because I'm vegan. And it's probably not. It's more just because the per- people behind you are like, look, we've only got an hour here. Do you want exactly, yeah. to hurry this up? Yeah. And the, the person behind the counter is like, look, there's a massive queue. I need to get to the back of this queue. Like, mm. I don't want to go and get you vegan cheese or whatever. No, exactly. So, um, <laughs> Can't you just eat something else? Like bloody awkward vegans. Yeah, and and I think you're also right that, that that there's a bit of a sense of you know you mentioned this little lack of care with the the, the pineapple upside down cake example. Uh, maybe I'm making a massive meal of it, but it's stayed no, but, with me because <laughs> no, it's I really bugged me. I, I think it's a really good example of of something that's played out in like really day to day examples like the, a dessert counter at work um right right through into kind of every aspect of anything you mentioned to do with veganism that it's almost like well it's a it's a choice to just stop being awkward basically yeah and i still find myself referring to myself as an or I'll the awkward vegan as i like if people come along because i've got a mug that you bought me that's got vegan or i am vegan or i love vegan or something written on it and if somebody comes along to talk to me in the office and mentions it, I'm like, yeah, and yeah, that's me, the awkward vegan. I'm like, hang on, why am I saying that? I'm not awkward. It's like, why Why am I downplaying my decision to be vegan? Why am I immediately making it negative? And like, it's, you know, abnormal and it's, and like you say, sometimes I have that and they, and, but I have a response to go, oh no, I'm, I'm, you know, like you say, I've got friends that are vegan or no. And they start talking to me about a conversation about game changers when it came out and, it's actually sparked conversations rather than I anticipate they're going to be like, mm, you know, they're going to feel differently or see me in a different way or in a worse way because they, I always anticipate they're going to have a negative reaction. If they, if someone new finds out that I'm vegan, I'm reluctant to tell people still after three years, even with like, it feels like it's way more popularized now. And it's, it's more in the you know in the in the public eye it's talked about more it's although that, again like i said it might still be my social media bubble but 
it feels like it's there and there's more options out there and it's people are trying it and people are talking about it. I still feel like I have to, I have to, I'm apologetic about it and I'm uncomfortable about it because in some way it'll inconvenience people. And like we've talked about with social situations, not just at work, but just out for dinner with friends or when you're invited, as soon as you get an invite to go out for dinner or worse, this sounds not worse, but to go to somebody's house for dinner or go and stay away for a weekend with a group of friends. I don't have vegan friends. I don't have anybody really who's fully vegan. A lot of people, like I said, testing it out. But so every time I go out, have a social situation, I'm in a non-vegan group. I am the only vegan there. So I'm already thinking, I bet they're thinking, oh my God, are they even, do they even want me there? Are they just inviting <laughs> me to be polite because they don't want me to feel like I'm, you know, I'm missing out on something. They're already worrying about what they're going to give me. They're already thinking I've got to cater for her. I've got to accommodate for her. I've got to buy different things. I've got to buy more expensive things because vegan things are more expensive than others. I've got to buy different milk. I've got a, something else that my office don't provide is non-vegan milk. There's none. <laughs> There's none in the entire building. They provide free dairy milk to every kitchenette across the building, semi-skimmed and skimmed, but no alternative milks, not even the canteen, not any of the coffee machines, nowhere. I have to take in my own cartons of milk every day in order to have tea. It is, it is fascinating, isn't it, that you can get... I've asked for it. ...two or three types of, of milk. Yeah. I've even seen in workplaces like, well, we're going to put lactose-free milk. Yeah. There's, but there's, there's all sorts. But we're not going to bother with anything else. <laughs> you get lactose milk, there's Nespresso machines, there's, you know, there's milk frother machines, but there's no, <laughs> like, there's everything Even... to do with beverages that you can possibly think of. <laughs> Eight different types of herbal tea. Ways to, yeah, there's, various there, methods you, Everything, to I mean, they the provide, milk. yeah, they provide, <laughs> yeah, but just one type of milk in order to use all of those milk preparation cows. machines just, just cow's, cow's milk. milk that's the only milk i've asked for it my my vegan friend who used to work with us got it but then our kitchen team have changed multiple times since then i've asked for it and i'm not i'm not getting it i don't even get a response to my emails asking for it it's interesting though you you know you described like your pre-vegan uh understanding of that particular like colleague and how yeah, yeah and how you know i think you described it you perhaps you didn't describe it to me in the on this well uh, you know when we've just been chatting now but in the past you sort of said she was you know she did fit the bill with the wider team of like the awkward vegan oh god yeah and sort of was described as that like, oh god she's gonna she you know she's gonna challenge something or and pick it, something we up. felt embarrassed when she went up to the guys in the kitchen and said can you make yeah it was pancake day that was a specific and oh, she asked for vegan that. pancakes. Yeah, yeah, and we were yeah. like, Kate, d no, don't, don't. No, oh, she's going to go and ask. She's actually going to go up there and ask. And it felt, it's awful to think that it felt like because she was being awkward, we were going to be seen as an awkward team off the back of that. That we felt embarrassed for her and because of her. She was blazing the trail though because she was like you say she got the she got the pancakes and she, did she got get the, pancakes. the milk and she, she got made the milk made the kitchen perhaps a little bit more even if it's for a short period of time 
a little bit more inclusive. It's true. The head chef at the time, I remember him coming out um, when we were at the pass and she said, um, he said, I've actually, thanks to you, I'm actually, I'm making a lot more dishes now. I'm not using cream or butter or milk and things that I don't think need them. I'm just leaving them out and everybody can have them. And we were like, that's, yes, that's, that's, <laughs> that's true. Um, so he was being more experimental. He was trying new things because it was a new challenge for him. And he'd never been asked to do that before. But even at that point, she was only one of two still within the entire building that we were aware of and that the, the guys in the kitchen told us about. Like We only know of one other who asked for vegan options every day. So it's only ever really been the two. But like you said, she did blaze a trail. She was actually, she was a better vegan than me. She was way more of a vegan activist than I ever. Well, she was, she was more obvious. She was a bit more, yeah, blatant. She was a blatant vegan. But then again, she was part-time. She admitted that because sometimes she she had... I think that was the bit where she lost a bit of credibility. I remember you saying that. I think it was the pancake incident. Pancakes. Because I think you'll, if I remember rightly, your problem at that particular incident was she'd held up this queue and had this whole conversation. And then was it like Milky Bar spread or something? There was some sort of <sighs> chocolate spread she'd popped on top of it that wasn't vegan. I think, well, she did that as well. She used to um, go and ask for a vegan meal or go and get a nice salad or ask for like specific things for a salad. And then she used to bring in her own sort of, and then she used to put Caesar dressing all over it. And we're like, hang on a minute. That's sort of negated the entire <laughs> meal that you've just held up a queue and asked them to specifically make for you. So that, it was a little bit confusing. Just a bit of credibility. Yeah, she was a bit of a, she was a bit confused, her message sometimes. But for the most part, she, um, she did, in a way, introduced it, at least to our team, the kind of whole concept of it. And then I came kind of out with it a couple of years later and I think they were probably going, oh, no, there's another one. <laughs> yeah, but the, I, I think you, her, I think this is why you're not a, a bad vegan because you have tried to learn from her. And, that, you know, I don't think you can quantify what's bad and what's good anyway, but with, with in, in this regard, because it's, you know, everybody has a different interpretation. But... You, you were, you, you sounds like anyway. You're trying to adapt from the bits that you saw that she did that were unsuccessful. Mm. You know, the bits where you knew that she had that reaction on that team, mm. and and you know, like you said, I think you've from what you have described, there's three or four people on the verge. Yeah. Whereas I don't think anybody had, like when you told your story about how you became vegan, it was because of cowspiracy and forks over knives not because of her mm. so it, yeah you could argue well it didn't really have an impact on you but it had a place because it made the the organization the sort of the mm. you know the 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 structure the the formal the power you know the power structure that was your place of work it it was the right approach to get them to listen yeah to change the milk and to make a different curry and different pancakes and stuff but it's interesting though but the audience has changed now in that she got a response she got some action she got a bit of inclusivity from it whereas now the audience has changed i have just it's just taken a different person behind the scenes 
And I'm not getting that reaction. I don't know if it's the way I'm approaching it. I don't know if it's because I'm a bit more softly, softly. Although sometimes some of my emails probably aren't. But I'm not getting the reaction she got because maybe the person who I'm reaching out to hasn't isn't in the same he's not they're not as open they're not in you know they're not the same sort of mindset as kind of the person that she was managed she was to kind of get through to in a way not get through to that sounds a bit odd but have a, an honest open conversation with and get to see her side of things and be a bit more flexible and open to challenges and stuff like that and I'm not I'm not quite getting that yet. I get a glimmer of it every now and again. Um, but it, yeah, it doesn't feel wholly like I'm accepted, that that's an acceptable, I don't know how to sort of say it. Like It's not worthy of them making an adjustment. Exactly. Because it's a personal choice. And, yes. Yeah. Precisely. Because it's not, it's not, affecting my health if I you know I could eat a cheese sandwich I could have a a beef curry but I'm choosing not to therefore they can choose not to give me a vegan option you know it's it's not it's got not going to affect me it's not going to have a detrimental effect on my health um it's not a risk I'm not allergic you know but yeah it's not it, so that therefore it just feels like it's just not seen as important it's not seen as yeah. something that has to be I feel accommodated like that, that's for changing though like not necessarily in that in that not in necessarily example, my setting but, but it, in other places it definitely is in more well there's been a couple of like legal cases isn't there that have where somebody has you know won the won the right to for their sort of uh, conscientious objection to doing something as a result of their veganism mm. has been, you know, recognised legally. Mm. And like, then I think about like um, uh, Laura Chepner, who uh, primary vegetation and now vegetation consultation, who, mm. you know, is literally forging this business of helping businesses to... Yeah, it's incredible. ...to see what, you know what they should be doing to, mm. to be inclusive for that particular group. And, you know, I think as the number grows, that will become a need that, you know, businesses need to think about and, and everywhere will need to think about. It's interesting, like, um, switching tax slightly, but but talking about, you know, change. And I've talked about it on the podcast before. It would be interesting to get your take as, as his mum. But... Um, thinking about you know nurseries and uh formal settings with childcare like mm. how those they've responded and it's probably far more well it is far more favorable and accommodating mm. from from my experience of it than it than a workplace yeah would you would you say that that's sort of borne out like it's that would be your experience of it yeah absolutely the nursery that Arthur goes to have been incredibly receptive, um, very accommodating of it, bearing in mind that he's the first vegan child or baby to attend that nursery. It's a new nursery. They've only been open for about five years, I believe. But it's the first time they've, they've had that situation. And they were brilliant about it. They asked me to come in. They had sat down and had a chat with me. They asked me what he eats at home. 
Um, I provided them with a list of um, foods and snacks and uh, where I buy them from, the brands that I use, the things that he likes, the things that he's not sure on. And they they were fantastic. They bought in specific soy formula for him um, when he first started, when he was still on milk, um, which they hadn't done before. Um, they were happy to do that. They were happy to have the conversation. They were excited by it. That's what they told me. They said, this is this is exciting. This is an education for us. We're going to be learning through you and through Arthur. Um, and we have lots of other children who have um, food requirements and they have intolerances and they have allergies um, and and obviously foods and things that they um, culturally aren't, aren't allowed to have. But it's, so it, we're always learning, but this is again a whole new challenge for us. Um, and they've been brilliant. And as Arthur moved away, obviously, from, from formula and has moved into sort of the toddler groups and the, and the older classes, he's accommodated for every meal. Um, they've, they do sort of, anytime they do baking, they make sure it's vegan. They do obviously vegan muffins, they do vegan pancakes on pancake day. So Arthur can have what everybody else is having, which is something that was really important to me. I don't want him to feel like he was left out at all. I don't feel like he wasn't getting any treats. If they had all ice cream, I want him to have ice cream. If they had custard with their apple crumble, I want him to have custard because it's available. It's, it's possible. There's no reason for him not to have it. And it's not going to hurt the other children if they have vegan versions of that. And so it's trying to just make, and the, the nursery are beginning to see that. They see that now after a year and a, and a bit, that if they just make it vegan for everybody, then no child has to miss out. So they've been fantastic. They've been great. Um, and I think you can't, you can't say no when it's children. You can't deny them that. It's um, When you're paying, I think, as well. Well, I'm, well, I'm that. Yeah, of course. You definitely can't. Um, but he's only been to one child's party so far, which you came to. Yes, and that was um, a joint party of the children of one of my very um, close friends who knew Arthur was vegan and was amazing. Yeah, and she was brilliant. created a whole separate vegan party bag for Arthur with different cakes, different lollies, made sure like he, he had something to take home that he didn't miss out on anything. And it helps that I knew her and I knew the mum. Yeah. But that I'm hoping... And I'm hoping Arthur will continue to be invited to parties. <laughs> I don't want him to be seen like I feel as the awkward vegan child who we have to cater for and and be and do something different for. And, yeah. You know, I don't want to go. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna bother inviting him because we have to just have to go out and buy loads of more stuff. And it's just it's just a nuisance. I, I just hold out hope though that the the kids, whether it's Arthur or other kids who've got other dietary requirements and bits and pieces. That, that they're so used to kids with dietary requirements yeah. that when they go home and they say, oh, I'm inviting Arthur and, you know, Delilah and, you know. They will they will investigate. They will do what the nursery did. They will go, they will reach out to those parents but while they invite them or put on the invite, what are your dietary requirements? Because even if it's not to cater for vegan kids, it's to cater for kids who have intolerances and who have allergies. They have to do that anyway as like a matter of course. So I think for that reason, 
if they're doing it for all the other kids anyway, hopefully they'll just do it for him. And there might be some stuff that can cover all bases. And they just hopefully will decide, we'll just get a vegan birthday cake then, because then everybody can have the same bit of cake. I'm intrigued at that. that, And we won't get the answer here because we don't know any of them. But I'm intrigued as to if the other parents, because I think the nursery, like, like I say, I think they see that it's an experiment for them, which means it's a competitive advantage in the future. Like, like being okay, a, like, yeah. so the next parent who turns up, they can say, yeah, we've, to- we totally know how to handle. Yeah. It's a bit know. of a pull, isn't it? For- yeah. Yeah. And, and, and I think as, as it, as it continues to grow and goes beyond 1% and so on and so forth, that, that, that they'll, that they're, they're like, this is great. We'll be equipped to deal with something new now. Like the more, diversity more inclusion that they can promote in their sort of prospectus mm. the better you know they'd be mm. they'd be delighted by that so i get that they're into it and we're paying them a nursery we are paying fee them for their so so yeah. i can understand that and like a workplace vice versa they're sort of feeling it as well this costs us money so no we're not going to do it um but I'm I'm intrigued as to do the other parents know that when they're doing, I don't know, making cupcakes at nursery, that do they know it's vegan? <laughs> do they know it's vegan? And then just from my experiences of other people, friends, family that I've met who I've said, uh, "Oh, that cake, that's vegan. It's it's amazing. You should try it. It's from Lola's Cupcakes or whatever." Other vegan bakeries are available. Uh, loads of others are available, lots of... But they are really good. Yeah, the vegan bakeaway is a good one. Tiny Sarah's Cakes, you name it, there's loads of them. Um, should mention some more local ones. Cockalico. yeah. <laughs> Go through the, the list of amazing uh, vegan bakers and patissiers. Uh, but... Um, <laughs> This should turn into some sort of advert. <laughs> Sorry. I should, feel I should be selling mattresses or something <laughs> next. Um, you've got to have a big podcast for mattresses. I'm not and, quite there yet. And underwear. Yeah, me undies or whatever they are. I've just given them a free advert. I don't even know if they're vegan. <laughs> what was I saying? Cut out. <laughs> so, well, I, might, I might leave it in. Uh, <laughs> um, so yeah, the, these other parents, knowing the reaction of other people when I say I've got this cake it's it's amazing mm. and there's a like even if it's brilliant the at most you'll get it's not bad actually like yeah. there's always an actually or they wait to try it though or they or they'll be like no I'm all right thanks because they think there's something wrong because they with think it. there's something missing yeah. or that they're you know and I wonder like you know people are obviously very we all are protective over our children and we want them to have the best and if your worldview is that they need to have, for whatever spurious reason, they need whatever to have weird reason dairy, and they need to have the otherwise their bones are going to suddenly crumble in front of you, <laughs> or they're going to, you know, have some horrendous calcium deficiency or something. Yeah, are those parents sat at home thinking, or have they just not heard? You know, I wonder what the nursery's approach is to. Yeah, being open about that. I know that at one point they had to make a separate batch of cakes because there's a child that's allergic to soy right so i don't know if they just get told like their parents just get told that they had cupcakes yeah (laughs) Yeah, to be honest and their parents trust that they had the right type of cake (laughs) 
to suit their dietary requirements. I wonder if there's ever been, or there will be, a furious parent who goes up there and says, I've just found out. Well, that we had one of that Arthur's cupcakes. That that Arthur's been coming in here with his, without his dairy. With his non-dairy, lower fat, lower cholesterol, <laughs> healthier but just as tasty cakes. And I want to make sure the Which my child thoroughly enjoyed, <laughs> The cows the leached from their bones <laughs> through excessive dairy consumption. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I, I don't know, that's a very good question. I don't know, I don't think so. And I'm I'm hoping there won't be any You'd parents like to think not, wouldn't you? who would be that against it. But there are still a lot of people that if you like you say, like I think you've taken stuff into work before and vegan stuff, and as soon as you mention vegan or put a label on it that says this is vegan, it's avoided. But you've take also taken it in and not told people it's vegan, they've lapped it up, and then you've gone, Yeah, oh, that was vegan. And they're like, Hey? Really? That a, was really nice. A colleague of mine has literally you just don't done that experiment. Tell them. They yeah. won't even know the difference. Yeah, you've yeah. had people that have done those exper- experiments, and you've... yeah, two sets of identical cupcakes written vegan on one and non-vegan on the other, mm-hmm. or not even non-vegan, just left it with no sign. The ones without the vegan label have been eaten. Everyone said they're amazing, mm. and then later on, it's like, oh yeah, these are vegan, by the way. Mm. Like, you know, ingredients list around and stuff. We weren't trying to poison anyone. Yeah, like, true, or, or, yeah. you know, give anyone who's got a genuine, like, you know, no, intolerance or something. No. Like. But there um, there wasn't anything devious it. about it. But, no. But it was just the word... It was a social experiment. Just one word being missing from the same description mm. made made such a huge difference. And that the, the cake, the one that I referred to from... Um, uh, Lola's, that was another example. Like I'd ordered a cake for somebody's birthday at work. Mm. This beautiful Lola's chocolate cupcake. No one knew what Lola's was. No, Lola's isn't all vegan anyway, but they just do a vegan cake. Yeah. So uh, I yeah, popped it out and, and everybody absolutely went wild for it. Thought it was amazing. Where did you get this cake? All that kind of stuff. Mm. And, you know, it's like, yeah, well, that's vegan. Like, and there was almost like just complete and utter disbelief. Like, yeah. How on earth could yeah. you make a cake that nice without any dairy or eggs? Yeah. It's inconceivable to people. <laughs> but yeah, it's so, it's so, it, talking about kids, it is so deep though. Like, that are, the amount of stuff that we've, uh, we've come across as, uh, that's sort of, not even I was going to say thinly veiled, but it's not even veiled. Just propaganda for mm. the, the the dairy industry. The the book recently, oh yeah, was um <laughs> was a fantastic example. The the Rodders book. What was that book called? I can't even remember. Um, the something about the cream thief. Big cream. The, was it a cat? Wasn't it? It was a cat that stole. Was it the cat thief? Cream. The oh the great cream robbery. Something like that. Was it? Yeah, it was called something like that. It's probably good that we've got it wrong, so we might get sued by Rodders. We or might something. well do. We'll Not that they're listening Rodders to a lot of times. Um, obscure vegan podcasts, but but yeah, it was a it was a book given to us secondhand. Um, and we we're very grateful to the the gifters of this book. Absolutely. I mean, they weren't they weren't intending on. No, it was just in a, in a sort of pile of, any pile of books that they were <laughs> no that they were handing down, and then you started reading it at bedtime to Arthur the other evening, <laughs> and you're like, what? what the dickens is this? Um, and it turns out on the back, it was a book made by Rodders to promote their crusted cream. People who don't know, they're a 
they're a, a clotted cream Cornish based manufacturer in uh, Cornwall. Uh, it's clotted I cream grew a thing up around the world. Clotted cream, yeah, oh my god. But is it a thing like beyond? Oh, I don't know. Beyond Britain, it's a very, no it's quite a, it's quite a British thing, isn't there it? Are, not? There are a couple of people who listen to this who aren't in Britain, so I okay. I'm just in. Put it out there. I wonder if a Canadian or an American listener could. Well, they know what that conf- is. I don't know why we need to know, really, but I've, I'm just. I've <laughs> eaten a lot of Rodgers cream in my day before being Cotted vegan. Cream. Yeah. It, it is. It is delicious. So anyway, sorry you were you were telling the story well, about it, this book. It what was, yeah. happens in the book? Well, essentially, there's a a creamery. Is that what it's called? A place where you make cream. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's called in the book. It was referred to as a creamery. I don't know if a that's creamery. the official term. Um, which strangely was uh, like a. It was manned by cows. They employed cow labourers. To well, I make... say they were more talented than labourers. They were chefs, apparently. Well, they had okay. hats and everything. Did they? Well, I wasn't reading it, so you're probably <laughs> best placed to tell this story. It felt like more of a factory sort of situation. They were they were cows in aprons. Oh, so the cows had aprons and they had um, hats, chefs' hats. So they were the and the, the notion was that the cats, the cats, the cows, cows were. I, I I assume that they were depriving their own young <laughs> of the milk that their bodies had produced in order to feed them. Donning de- a chef's hat. They were depriving of them of that in order to manufacture cream a... Cream for human beings. <laughs> yeah, cream that could then be put onto a Devonshire Lovely scone. Lovely with some jam. By, by humans. And then the cats like cream. So they tried to rob So it. they tried to rob the place. And then... <laughs> they uh, all then, became then, friends though, didn't they? Well, at the end, they gave him a job or something, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, so... They, the cows gave the cat some sort of job in the creamery. Or, gave, no, or a year's supply of cream He's or a taster. Oh, he's a cream taster now. So, so the cows, obviously not wishing to consume their own, um, you know, secretions Secre- for their young... Milk secretions. They, they thought the best taster... Was a cat. So they were all right making it. Yeah. They just, but they'd never taste it. Well, I, 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 happy I, to sell I, it. I presume that they were tasting it before because they seemed to be talking about how wonderful it was. They, oh. knew, they knew it was fantastic cream. See, that it's just all, it's all completely <laughs> fucked up. Either way, I read this book to, uh, to Arthur once and then decided that that was... We that, went, what the hell is this? That was the end of that book. We're never reading this ever again, and I promptly removed it from the house. Well, I think we did We did also point out to him the um, the cognitive dissonance throughout as I was reading it. I think you actually used those two words as well. <laughs> what, I told him about cognitive dissonance? You told him, our dissonance. two-year-old son. <laughs> What's going on here, Arthur? <laughs> is uh, an obvious case of... The dairy industry is at a very young age trying to co-opt you well, into thinking that cows willfully give their milk. Yeah, and then work all day <laughs> to churn it into... It was really odd. Is It was a strange book. It was a bit... And I don't think, obviously, if you weren't vegan, you wouldn't, you wouldn't think anything of it, really. No. At all. I don't think I would have done 
th- you know, you just think, oh, it's a story with ago. lots of animals in it. You wouldn't even connect the cream to the cows. I would have thought it was cute because I think we we were probably told similar stories when we were young that make you think of farm. Uh, well, I'm reluctant to say farms because there's lots of great, you know, veganic farms out there, but. Um, uh, the animal agriculture was this kind of cute, sweet place mm. where all these animals were like almost like joining in in song with old MacDonald about yeah, how lovely all their happy, life was. Prancing around the fields, yeah, living in the barn, having a lovely old time. <laughs> yeah, and then you sort of um, so so you you know why wouldn't you until you told El, you know otherwise? Mm. And then every lorry that drives past has got you know that image and. Mm. Bottles of milk have got it printed on the label that's, mm-hmm. you know, here's the fields and the cows. and Yeah, it's on the, yeah, it's on the sides of everything, all products. And there's, you know, there's years ago I used to work in a supermarket setting in my younger day and um, there was many an advert of a smiling farmer, you know, this is Andy. Andy's been farming the, you know, the cows in blah, 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 East Sussex for... Mm. 35 years and four generations he keeps his cows happy by systemically systematically raping them <laughs> and um did it, it did, actually say that no it didn't that, that, of the milk. they didn't have <laughs> they didn't <laughs> have that he removes their young with only 24 hours <laughs> time spent with their mother like mm, it, it deals yeah, like, their food. but there was there was all of that there these idyllic images and these wonderful stories that um, you know why? If why would you question it? Is, mm. You know, and then the the, pyra- the food pyramid that you've had since literally preschool, when you were given glasses of milk with your apple in the afternoons. Yeah, so you're told that you need to drink your milk because it's good for you and it I makes you healthy. The whole, yeah, the whole concept. Literally the concept. from Arthur's age is when I started. Well, the milk before monitor. that, or well, before that, since I was old enough, I was one from yeah. the age of one, you can have cow's milk. Yeah. And so from the, that point, the concept of the milk monitor, milk monitor in schools, yeah, like it was a privilege to be the milk monitor, yeah, and dish out the milk. And I remember actually, we had, I don't know, maybe this was the school I went to, but we had. I never actually liked it because it had like a, a layer on top, which I always thought was whole milk. Yeah, like a cream Full fat milk. Yeah, like you was it gold top. Uh, yeah, well, silver top, that's what it was down in my... Was it silver in, top? In grandma's You know, house. when the days of, like, people who don't know what we're talking about here would think it's ridiculous. Milk deliveries. But when you had glass milk bottles outside yep. and, um, do you ever have birds, like, peck the... Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, that's, that's irrelevant. That's an aside. But that, those... <laughs> through that, the foil that, lids. Yeah, through the foil lids. Get the cream. That milk was gross, I thought, because it was like they had this lumpy... Oh, so it's disgusting. But anyway, I do remember there was a kid. His name was Raymond Bell, right? <laughs> Why do you laugh sorry. at Bell? Ridiculous. I'm a, I'm a child. I'm he was sorry. lovely, Ray. I'm sure um, he was. I don't think we called him Ray either because you don't call... Oh, Ray, you call him Raymond. Or Ray, it was a full well, name, Raymond Bell. Well, he was like six. So, or you know, when you were four, five, six, that sort of age. Yeah, you don't shorten names. You don't call anyone Ray, do you? Not really. There's no Ray. Well, well, no. He probably is Ray now. I'm sure he is Ray now, but... but back t- in the day, it's Raymond. Well, I went to school with a Ray, but with a W at the beginning. Oh, yeah, we're Ray. We're Ray. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry. 
Anyway, Ray, he, he was lactose intolerant at the time. It turns out he just wasn't a cow. So it wasn't... Oh. Yeah. But he, he was lactose intolerant. And I remember everyone thought he was weird because he had to have a glass of water. <laughs> so when the milk monitor Weirdo. brought the tray... I know, it's, it's insane when you think about it. But the milk monitor brought the tray up. You know, the, I was never trusted to be the milk monitor because, you know, you've got to be responsible and not throw the milk everywhere and stuff. But um, kid would bring the milk tray. Everyone would rush up. And everyone would, oh, it's raised water. Like the, <laughs> this, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was just the, the the notion that he would, he has to drink this. I didn't even like the milk, so I don't know why I had a. What you didn't like milk? I, I don't because it was the like weird creamy, creamy milk. milk stuff that we were. Because I, but you'd rather drink that than water for crying out loud. I know it's <laughs> it's insane. So like I would I would have preferred what he had, but there was somehow a, even then a deeply ingrained notion that. That it would be odd. He was the odd one out. He was And also, odd. all your peers are drinking milk, so also you want to be included. Yeah. And you don't want to be seen as weird Raymond Bell. Yeah. And you told by your by your teachers and by your parents mm. and everybody in authority in life that it makes you strong, makes your bones strong, makes you grow up strong. Yeah. Strong, strong. Especially if you're a boy. Yeah, definitely. Well, there was a whole campaign, wasn't there? Um, the milk industry was in... in it was starting to get concerned because there'd been a lot of research into the fact that dairy was no good for you. Mm. And um, I think there's like a little Steve Jobs video where he's talking about marketing in general yes. and he talks yeah, about this particular campaign. But um, he he's sort of talks about the fact that worried that their product was had been exposed basically as not health, not healthy, mm. that they came up with this Got Milk campaign. Mm. And it, there was nothing... It didn't even talk about the product. It just showed attractive looking people, men and women. Drinking milk. Chucking milk all over themselves. Half the time when I'm drinking it, it was just like, you know, they had a milk moustache or mm. they chucked it over themselves or they were, or they were drinking Wasting it. milk. That's even better. <laughs> Wasting milk. Um, <laughs> yeah, just the height of oddness. Um, it's just so odd, isn't it? Like the, the, it is. It's just the, more the you... food of a young... Oh, calf the more you think about it thrown over it's like your face. me giving my breast milk that i gave to arthur to a calf yeah which would be odd and then is that a bit too personal when no <laughs> it would be odd i mean imagine you cooking it up into a clotted version and, and then, then selling it to cows and then selling it to cows and depriving arthur of it and then arthur just has to have... sorry arthur i've got a th- thriving clotted cream business here i'm not, yeah, not, I'm not giving you any you. you can have some water with raymond yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> sit with raymond you would you know it'd just be odd but yeah from a from a young age that stuff is 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 put into your brain whether it's that got milk campaign or school or mm. weird rodders books and whatever so why would you question it yeah you know i, I was talking to your brother who, for people who don't know, which would, would be everybody who's listened to this, is a teacher. Primary school. Yeah, primary school teacher. And we were talking about the food pyramid and how it's it's something that's, I think he, what did he refer to it now? now they talk about something slightly different than the food pyramid, like the teacher would on this, who was listening would correct me here, but like the, a balanced, the balanced plate or something and how right. it's... They, how it's portioned up. Yeah, they give like kids a... a a paper plate or something and they get them to draw on the plate 
like in percentages or okay. like a pie chart of how much of their plate should be protein carbs devoted to each thing but it's still very much the same mindsets like here's the protein the protein sources are fish and chicken mm. and the occasional bit of red meat and um eggs. Uh, and eggs yeah and eggs and and obviously milk if you're going to drink something and then you you know your 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 carbs are like a vegetable based and and then you've got and then you've got the rest of your sort of all of your micronutrients apparently are covered by like peas or something yeah <laughs> like, much. which is which is bonkers in itself but um it still exists very much today mm. which is which is crazy so I, all of that tr- troubles me slightly at what point does the um, point he goes to school is, yeah. is constantly on my mind because i don't know how that's going to work because it's not going to be anywhere. It's not the same situation as nursery. We does don't have then, that much exactly, control. Exactly, don't have control. the control. And does he then become the the sort of misfit kid? Because does he become Raymond Bell. Well, <laughs> does he become Raymond Bell? Uh, he turns out was a pioneer. But um, if <laughs> if you, um, I, I can just you know imagine that playing forward that conversation. Teachers like right, we're looking at balanced plates today, and we're gonna have we're gonna divide the plate into thirds, and here's your protein sources, mm. and unless education's changed and Laura Chipman's been brought into that school to sort it out and let's all the rest so. of it let's hope so or we have to move to we a have school to where, she to one, where she has been brought in but um unless that's changed he's he's going to do one of two things isn't he he's either gonna quietly sort of say nothing yeah ignore it and or i'm just, hoping or come home always going to be the the kid that raises his hand and goes hang on a minute yeah and questions it and says well i don't need any of that stuff and I'm fit and healthy, and I'm yeah, I'm fine. I'm you know, and so then how his? I'm hoping it'll be that kid. Almost at that really young age, his ability to convince a classroom of kids mm. and have enough sort of social credibility that they don't, you know, shoot him down, mm. which is insane amounts of. I mean, he wouldn't see it as that pressure, but that would be the pressure that was there. Yeah. That's bonkers. Like, I, I, I worry every what? day about how he's going to be accepted into school and how he's going to be treated. Scares hoping, me that he's got to go through that. I know, alone. But then, I can't be there with him all the time to answer those questions and deflect. But then I don't want him to eat animal products to just to not have that difficult because it's the right thing to do. Exactly. You know, so. And I want him to know that that is the right decision. But we've talked about the fact that at some points he will be with his friends who will be at a party, who will be at school. And he'll be either curious or won't have the choice or won't be given an option to eat anything but a sausage, a pork sausage or a chicken nugget. And he will want to try it because everybody else is eating it. And he doesn't want to look or, you know, like the old one out. He doesn't want to look like the awkward kid. And he wants to be included as kids do. And so he'll eat it. And we've talked about how, how we would feel about that. And I'm of this of an opinion, I think similar to one of your guests who said, if that's the case, it's not the end of the world. Um, but I like to think and I hope that he would have enough knowledge information from us at that point that he can maybe question it at least. Um, and I think Tina actually was one who said that her children who were pretty young as far as i can remember have 
told kids not to eat Haribo. Well, they don't eat Haribo sweets, for example, because they know that they've got gelatin and animal parts in them. And they've told other children that and said that you shouldn't eat those because they're made of animals. And then the kids are like, what? And then obviously their <laughs> parents have come along and going, what are you telling my kids? And I'd, be, I'd happily, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'd happily go the truth, actually. So, you know, and is it a bad thing that your kids don't want to eat some sweets? Like, you know, so. Yeah, it's weird. Isn't it's it? like, I, I'm hoping he's going to be. Well, you keep saying he's going to be the next John Connor. He's going to be the, <laughs> to start the next revolution. Um, so I'm I'm hoping he's going to be the that kid, and he's going to have the confidence. I don't want him to be like. Oh, so it's going to be difficult to get the balance because I haven't got the balance right yet. I want to tell everybody about it, and I want everybody to be a vegan because it's the only way forward for health, for the climate, for the environment, for the planet, for animals, for everything. But I also, I'm not that, that type of person. I don't, I don't have the outlet for it and I, I haven't found it anyway yet. And I, but I, I, I also, I'm very much one of those people who just want people to like me. <laughs> like I don't, I don't want to be the person that causes controversy or makes other people uncomfortable, even in a situation where I am already uncomfortable. Um, and I don't want to be seen like someone who's, you know, preaching. And I I step back sometimes. I stop myself and go, oh, I've been talking about this too much. If I've been talking about veganism with people, as I feel like, oh, they're going to get annoyed with this in a minute. And I don't, I want him to, I want them to be a balance for him. I want him to be able to find that. But I worry that if I can't find that for myself, how am I going to help him find that balance between wanting to sort of, sort of promote that in what he's doing stick to his guns and his ethics and his and you know things and remember the things that we've told him but also don't want him to not have any friends <laughs> it might sound a bit extreme i don't want him to be the one that they don't invite to stuff and they think oh you know he does not invite him to mcdonald's or wherever or invite him out for a meal because he's not he's just not going to eat what we're going to eat and, and but by then i mean that is still two years away and if you think about how much has happened in the last two, in the last three, I mean, huge amounts, like leaps and bounds amount of change. So I'm hoping by the time he gets to school yeah. and depending on which school we choose, we might be able to have those conversations and they might be a bit more open. They might have the the facilities and, you know, the the access to to that sort of stuff more than, well, way more than definitely we had. Well, going back to the beginning, I ago. think, like you said, there might only be two vegans in your workplace, but loads of people have said to you, oh, "I know they know what it is." Yeah, they have watched Game Changers or Cowspiracy, or they've seen something. They've seen something. They've heard of it. They've heard of yeah. someone. It's, Whereas four years ago, I didn't even know what a yeah, vegan was. They've heard of Bosch Brothers or Deliciously Ella. Or, yeah, you know that those things are in the popular sort of. Uh, psyche at the moment and i imagine that's you know that i think that's only going to grow i mean one of my favorite podcasts um mark maron for example mm -hmm. and um the last you know there's always a sponsored thing on every podcast anyway there was a there's a, a massive ice cream company that he is advertising for right now mm. and the whole premise of the argument of the advert is um, their plant-based ice cream range. Really? 
And it talks about, it says the word vegan two or three times. It's like um, these, you know, these ice creams are perfect for vegans and people who are transitioning to a plant, more plant-based wow. life. And it even says, you know, we all know that the reasons to eat more plant-based are, are many and varied and it's not only good for you but the planet and talks about how it's made from sunflower butter and all this sort of stuff. Amazing. And I think that same podcast... I mean, I'm not saying he's now exclusively, you know, Mark Maron's exclusively selling vegan products, mm. but I remember there being an advert whilst I, you know, we were vegan, uh, what you know, since we've been vegan, that was advertising some like meat delivery company that shipped mm. straight from the farm to your door, sort of thing. So it's it's interesting that you know that that is an advert that a big company like that. Hmm. feels is read the audience is ready to hear that hmm. and isn't going to go oh well, i'm not listening to what that's it i'm not buying any of your stuff now yeah i mean we could we could debate and <laughs> we won't have time to but we could debate uh whether it's right and you know the capitalist influence over veganism and all that sort of stuff and you can argue that one or two ways and all the rest of it and many other ways but um I suppose ultimately what I guess where I'm coming from is it's in the public psyche, even mm. in that three years it's growing. To your point, two years' time, three years' time, it will have even more so. So even if it's 1% to, I don't know, in our wildest estimations, I'm reluctant to say 10%, but Jeez. if it was 5% of people or 3% of people. We'll go with three. Three seems like a considered estimate. You know, three out of 100 kids in a school. Yeah. Maybe, you I'd know. I hope that would influence some change. Maybe they need to accommodate. And, mm. you, you know, at that point, even then, you know, parents have heard the adverts, they've watched the, you know, they've seen the documentaries and they, even if they're not vegan. And so his his at least his navigation of the world is easier. Yeah. Um, and then he can find his 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 paths of activism, you know, amongst that whatever they may be, whether he chooses to be confrontational, vocal, radical. or you know tries to so the sales pitch or or wants to do it subtly and gently, mm. whichever way. I think all of it works to some extent. Mm. But. Um, Let's hope so. Well, yeah, I hope he will be. I get asked a lot. It's like, what if he's when he's eighteen? The question I get asked all the time. What if he's eighteen? <laughs> turns around and says, "I don't really want to be vegan." I'm like, oh, well, I'm, I'm not an awful parent. I'm not going to force him into him, doing something yeah. he wants to do. Before that point, I'm expecting him to turn around and question the whole thing. Totally, he's not going to get to eighteen for crying out loud. And question why we eat differently to everybody else, and I want him to question it because I want then I, that's a way in to explain why. Um, I want him to be curious, but uh, yeah, let's hope he continues after he's had that conversation and asked those questions. I hope he does continue to be vegan. He's been vegan since, you know, more forever his entire life. Yeah, since before I even conceived him. So. I would like it to continue, but eventually it will have to be his decision. Yeah, totally. We can do all we can do. Yeah. But yeah. it would be nice for him to have some 
vegan peers by that point because that sure it would it would it, it would help I'm sure so it will. to all my friends who are on the precipice <laughs> there's a few of you out there can you please just make the final step because it would be really nice to have some people to talk about this with where i don't feel like i'm annoying people sounds like a good place to leave it okay wonderful well it's, it's been a pleasure talking to you that's it <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to carry on talking to you, just not recording it. Okay. Bye. Bye then.